Hey everyone, this is Becoming a Bible Nerd. I'm Carrie Hunt, and I'm so glad that you are joining us. We believe this ancient Eastern text was never meant to study alone, so we choose to do it in community. We'll take one book a semester, one chapter a week, and really dig in to understand the context and the culture that the book was written in so that we can better understand how to apply what God was saying to our own lives. Our goal is to equip you and your community to fall more in love with Jesus because you have fallen in love with his word. This season, we are going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and today's episode is the introduction. Well, this always, the introduction, is probably the, the most packed full of cultural information. It's going to be like a history class, but this is so important to understand and to sit through when we open up our Bible and we start at the beginning of a book because that is, we're not, we don't ever open up novels just in the middle and point to a sentence and start reading there because we don't understand um, the, the setting and the character development and all of these things. So when we start a book, we need to really understand the culture and who the people, who that book was written to, um, to, to understand and determine what is going on in the message of that book. So anytime we're reading any of the letters, the letters that Paul wrote to the church, I find it very helpful to go back to the book of Acts and read the account where he first went into that town and he planted the church. So in Acts chapter 19, we see that Paul goes into the city of Corinth and he is planting the church. But this morning we're going to back up. We're going to go to Acts chapter 18, one chapter before that, where we see Paul in Greece. This is a place where he had longed to go and there were different times that the Holy Spirit would stop him and he finally gets to go to Greece and he goes to Athens. And it's really an exhilarating chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in the book of Acts. Um, and Athens is a city where all of the philosophers of the day traveled to and hung out in, and he really has this phenomenal experience. He's invited to go to the most philosophical society to speak at their um, Acropolis. He is otherwise known as Mars Hill. He addresses the worship to many of their gods, but specifically to the altar of the unknown God. Here he's quoting, I mean, th this sermon is phenomenal, and he's quoting Greek philosophers and poets, and it's really just an exciting passage to read. But something stood out to me at the end of this chapter for the first time ever. It says that the people there rejected much of what he preached because they rejected this idea of resurrection. But some asked Paul to stay and talk about more, but he ends up leaving. He doesn't stay and, and, and um, he doesn't, he, he doesn't, they extend an invite and he doesn't take him up on it. The text then says that some men joined him and believed and they list the name of two people and they, they infer that there's some more and this is really unusual because Acts is filled with reports of the church adding in number and multiplying in number. And then in addition to that, the author, Luke, shows us how the Jewish religious leaders become enraged in almost every town that he goes in because Paul is preaching Christ crucified. Now for us, we see this as a sign of the Holy Spirit moving in such a big way because it's creating tension within the religious leaders. And Paul's usually chased down in some form and beaten 
and, and, and hurt or ran out of town. But in Athens, it's really anticlimactic. Paul doesn't even stay when he's invited to. So the very next place he travels is to Corinth. And immediately when he gets there, he meets Aquila and Priscilla. Now, we briefly talked about them when, in the introduction to Rome. Now, if you remember, if, you've, if you studied that, that book with us, they were living in Rome when Claudius ruled to banish all Jewish people for a few years. But we see this powerful couple show up all over the New Testament, and wherever they go, they serve their city in a big way, wherever they land. And it's here that they meet Paul in the tent makers community. Paul preaches in the local synagogue, which is typical for him. We're going to see this pattern in his life where he always goes to the synagogue first. Silas and Timothy end up meeting him there to help. Well, to no shock to us, the, the, the Jewish religious leaders reject him. So he ends up going to a Gentile's house named Titus Justice, who lived right next door to the synagogue. In fact, they probably shared a wall, and he preaches there. Well, Crispus, who is the leader of the synagogue, and it says his entire household comes to believe. Now, that entire household includes his wife, his children, and all of the servants. It says many other Corinthians came to believe, too, and they were all baptized. Well, let's go back to the addition and multiplication. We see this again, and he's going to end up staying there for 18 months, and he plants a church. He preaches differently there, though, than he does Acts, and we'll talk about this in the next two chapters. The story ends with the religious Jews taking Paul to a Roman court, and they're wanting to try him for um, breaking the law with this uh, message of Christ crucified. Well, the, the Roman judge ends up basically telling them to get lost, to deal with their own religious law and their own, own courts, and tensions were so high that the, the text says that they grabbed the new synagogue leader, Sosthenes, and they beat him in front of the judge's bench. Now, no one knows for sure who they are. It could be the religious leaders that were mad that Sosthenes could not lead a, a rebellion well, or it could be Gentiles that were frustrated with the Jews. We don't know, but we know that the leader of the synagogue gets beat, and then the story ends. Why is this worth mentioning? Paul goes on to Ephesus after... Um, this incident, and he takes Priscilla and Aquila with him. He ministers there for a long time. In fact, this becomes his home base for three years. And he writes to the Corinthians to address some immorality that had sprung up in the church from his new home in Ephesus. Now, we don't really know anything else about this letter because, except that it was written because he's mentioning it, and he's calling it the former letter in this letter that we're studying. So 1 Corinthians is actually the second letter to the church of Corinth. Um, this, this former letter is not in existence today, but we know he writes it. And then we know that some time passes and then he gets a message from Chloe's people. Now, Chloe is probably someone that houses a church in their home and Chloe's people would be the servants of the house that also are followers of Christ now. And they report back to Paul while he's in Ephesus that there are some factions that have developed. The church was split on matters of divorce, food sacrifice to idols, how to exercise the spiritual gifts in the church, and even the collection for the church in Jerusalem. This report also informed Paul that once again, immorality has crept into the church. So Paul writes them a letter promising to visit them soon, and he sends Timothy with them. What's interesting is that he 
introduces this letter as being from him and Sosthenes. Is it possible that it's the same Sosthenes that was beaten for leading a coup um, after or after leading a coup against Paul? It very well could be. And now it looks like possibly the Sosthenes, if it's the same Sosthenes, then he is a follower of Christ and he's possibly Paul's scribe. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the city of Corinth. It was strategically located in Greece near Athens. Its territory was contained, um, or its territory did contain an isthmus, which is a land bridge joining two pieces of land, and in this case, northern and southern Greece. It was the center for sports. In fact, the Isthmian Games were second to the Olympics, and they used Poseidon's temple to host the games. It was also the center for government, military, and business. You've got to think, for it being an isthmus, there was a lot of trading there. There was a harbor because this was um, a, a piece of land that was really surrounded also by seas. The population was about 100,000 in Paul's day. They're, they were popular for their pottery and their Corinthian glass, which is a mixture of gold, silver, and copper. And they had numerous temples to Athena, Apollo, Poseidon, Hermes, Isis, Asclepius, and the prominent goddess Aphrodite. Many of you probably know who she is. She's connected um, or known, most well known as being the, the goddess of love. So because of that, Aphrodite had over a thousand temple slaves. This included men and women. These are people that their job is to prostitute themselves, to have open sex. In fact, orgies, that is a thousand people working in the temple. Um, and in this temple, along with most of the others, prostitution was a form of worship. So sexual fornication was rampant in the city. Sexual fornication, that's kind of a biblical term. We don't really go around using the term fornication in our day and age. But what that is, is sex outside of God's order between a man and a woman who are in covenant with one another. The philosopher Aristophanes coined a common term called, um, the word was Corinthiazo, Corinthiazo, that's how you say it. Um, and it was meaning you're acting like a Corinth, meaning you're very loose with your sexuality. So in studying this book, we have to ask, is the church influencing Corinth or is Corinth influencing the church? And while we do this, as we enter into this new study, we have to also ask ourselves, am I influencing me being the church? We are the church, the bride of Christ. It's people, not buildings or the church. And we have to ask ourselves, are we influencing our city or is our city influencing us? I also want to add one last thought. Corinth seems like a mess to us, but there, and there certainly are a lot of issues that Paul is going to have to address in the second time, in the second letter. But get this, Paul originally stayed 18 months when he founded the church and he left, entrusting them to take this gospel and run. That's a lot of trust. And he isn't angry when he's writing this letter like we see in the letter to the church of Galatia. He's thankful for them. He's just guiding them back on track. In our church culture, we have a tendency to lean a little too far in the idea that those who do ministry need to be experts. 
highly schooled, seasoned, professionals and doing the heavy lifting. We are not as quick as Paul to disciple and entrust people um, or trust ministry to lay people. The negative effect has produced spectators, not followers. And this is on us as leaders, whether you're a leader um, in a in congregation or a leader at your work or at a school, or even if you're the leader in your own home, we are partially responsible for not challenging our audience or those who we disciple to go and to minister. And if the Holy Spirit can lead and guide the church at Corinth to spread the gospel, then I promise you he will do the same for whoever you are leading. I hope you dive into the study with us. It's going to stretch us in um in every way as we move further on our journey. I want you to tune in to part two of this week's study of chapter one. So this is a two-part, the introduction in this 12, 13-minute segment, but then I will also release chapter one. I will do this on this platform of um, podcasting, but I'm also going to do it Facebook Live, and I encourage you to watch that because this is going to be a chapter that I have to probably step on toes, all of our toes. I'm stepping on my toes as the Lord is weeding out human reasoning and the ways of this world out of us. And I wanted to connect with you on a different level because the things I'm saying can be uncomfortable. And I want you to see that I'm really sharing this in love and I'm sharing part of my journey and what God has called, um, really not cultivated, but what God has worked to, to get out of me and to burn up. <laughs> and so, um, tune into chapter one. I'm glad again that you're going on this journey with us. We'll see you soon. Happy reading.